Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Welcome along to the latest Keegan Odyssey. There wasn't a pause there that there usually is because we're not doing this episode remotely. Shall exactly. we explain to the boys and girls where we're doing it? Well, I mean, how to begin? We are in a small hotel room on the outskirts of Nottingham. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I'd say it was tatty, but yeah. in a charming way. Yeah. Charmingly tatty. It's not tatty. harmful, is it? It's not harmful. It hasn't no. depressed me. There's been no toxic reaction to any of it. I've it's stayed not... in some tatty hotels that have had a very saddening impact on me. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Where you're like in a hotel and you're like... This is somehow like the vibe here has depressed me. Not so much hotels, but more in London, where in the past I've stayed in university digs. Oh, right. In the summer. Yeah. Because it was like 24 quid. Yeah. And you don't get your own bathroom. Oh, you're sharing. You share a bathroom. You don't share a room. It's not like a dormitory thing. Yeah. But... You know, if you want to travel to London on the cheap in the summer, I'd recommend it. Yeah, I mean, you're, but, you're describing it. I mean, well, 24 quid. If I ever go, if there's any men yeah. who are speculating about what life would be like if they went stray, yeah. perhaps they're men based in London and they've got families and responsibilities, London, but yeah. they're thinking maybe I could go stray, Just but how would I survive? Night. Yeah. Uh, university dorms sound like yeah. 24 quid. It's gone up a th- now, it's probably about 45. That was a few mm. years ago. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Stray men can't be choosers. No, as they very say. true. All right, let's crack on with Kevin Keegan, shall we? He's um, he's just sort of mulling over the the failure of the England thing. Uh, they've lost 1-0 to Germany. And he says, um, as I walked through the great drizzle, I knew mm. when I reached the dressing room it would be to tell the players I was finished. Um, he says, I gave it my best shot. I worked hard and tried my best to bang the drum for the English game, but I'd also come to realise it wasn't the job it was cracked up to be. I didn't enjoy dealing with the FA. <laughs> I didn't like the way I had so little time with the players. Well, that was kind of, you know... You knew that. You knew that. You knew what would happen. You weren't turning up to the... Tra- I wonder if he was turning up to the training pitch all the time. Yeah. Every day, like wherever they used to train. Burnham Beaches in the old days, wasn't mm. it? And you go, hey, where is everyone? Where's Bex? Where's Alan Shearer? Where's Michael Owen? Where are all the lads? Where's David Seaman, for instance? And people go, no, Kevin, it's... This, um, this is not England this time. Is, this is not England time. They're playing for their clubs. Well, this is ridiculous. This is unpatriotic. They should be every day. When I was an England player, it was the most proudest thing I could possibly have done as a footballer. To pull on that white shirt... They should be here every morning, no matter what their other responsibilities are. I do my training at Liverpool, then I come down here to Burnham Beaches and just sit on the grass <laughs> for 20 minutes, then go back home again to Jean. Even when I was at Hamburg, <laughs> I'd, I'd charter a flight and fly across every day John just to be near used, England. John Mercy used to say to me, you don't need to do, do this, you know, it's a waste of everyone's time. <laughs> well, that was the measure of the man. 
you don't need to do this, Kev. I don't need to fucking do this. I'm just the caretaker. <laughs> fucking don't even fucking turn up for matches if you don't fancy fucking it. Fucking easy life. Good times. Um, I didn't like the long, frustrating periods between games when the job could feel soulless and it wasn't easy knowing how to fill my time. Sometimes bored rigid. Fuck it, he's, he's working, what, he's working like, I don't know, six hours a week or something? Mm. Going to a couple of matches? Probably getting loads of naps in. Probably getting loads of money. Um, Tell you what, mate, it sounds, do you know what? The England job sounds similar to being a successful podcaster. Doesn't it? Yeah, very little work. And you lots don't of have much time. work, you get loads of nap time. Yeah. You've got money. The only, the only difference is you don't have to... We don't have to answer to anyone, really. No, that's true. We don't have to answer to Howard Wilkinson. There's no yet. podcaster association. Imagine if there was one Fuck. and they announced... It has been announced today that the Podcasting Association of England have appointed Howard Wilkinson, <laughs> the former football manager, <laughs> as their technical director. Oh, he God. will be coming in... And pulling the strings and shaping the ideas of every podcast currently operating in the UK. Oh, man. There's been a lot of frivolity, a lot yeah. of self-indulgence, and yeah. not enough regulation in UK broadcasting, in the podcasting arena. I am here to add discipline and process, and I will be targeting in particular the so-called comedy podcasts... <laughs> That go off on whimsical tangents. <laughs> I have heard some podcasts that begin with a five-minute introduction to the guests therein. That must stop. Also, podcasts that do go off at a tangent must stop. There will be a plan, and you must stick to the plan. Stick to your topic and subject matter at all times. We'd be like, fuck you. Yeah, I'll be like, Andy, have you seen this press conference? Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen who they've hired? Howard yeah. Wilkinson. I mean, what he's got nothing to do with podcasting. He's never done a podcast in his life. And he's getting on a bit. I do not want anyone podcasting over the age of 42. Oh, oh fuck you now. We're fucked now, aren't what are we? We? Gonna, we'd end up on YouTube, would we? Are we yeah, too old for YouTubers or Snapchat? We'd have to become Snapchatters. Fucking hell. I can't start that at my time of life. Mm. I don't know how you get into we'll that. Have to, my favourite episode of Dad's Army is the one where someone's coming to inspect them mm. and there's some sort of new r rule about how old you have to be to be in the home guard in dad's army in yeah. dad's army <laughs> and so what they do in a bid to look younger they get fraser <laughs> who is an undertaker to use his embalming yes. makeup on all of them yes. and it's fucking hilarious because it's like everyone even what's his name who's the really old one oh, my, sis Jones. my sister oh, uh, yeah yeah, you know, my sister Dolly made me a delightful sponge cake, yeah. that one. And they've all got, like, all this sort of, like, weird varnish. <laughs> and, like, it's like they've all had bad surgery and they've got, like, they've dyed their hair and drawn on eyebrows. That'll be us, basically. Yeah, but doing podcasts. Have yeah. you seen the one where um, Captain Mannering's brother comes to visit? No. And he's an alcoholic. <laughs> and Arthur Law plays the alcoholic brother. Oh, and, yes, I have seen and it. And plays Mannering. Using incredible now. of the time technology, I've seen to it to have them both in the same scene. Arthur Lowe, what a fucking man! Yeah, what a man! Yeah, we'll do a podcast series. About yeah, him, all about his work on the Mister Men as well. Yeah, of course. Where are we? Um, although I never said it so bluntly at the time, there was such a dearth of English players that there were some weekends when I go to watch a Premier League match and take my seat, thinking, "What am I even doing here?" 
well, you know. He gives an example. Arsenal versus Chelsea, May 2000. The sixth, sorry, the second and fifth place sides in the Premier League. Um, Amy Jacquet was two seats along from me on the same row. We were preparing to name our squads for Euro 2000. Can you imagine how demoralising it was to tot up the number of Englishmen on the pitch and realise the manager of France had more players out there than me? Ooh. Twi- six, six out of 22 players were English. Why did he make... That's not demoralising. To have And also to have turned up and told out, I would have had that organised in advance. Mm. I would have... Cho- I would have... I mean, I didn't know... Hey, hey, who was his assistant? Was it Arthur Cox in the no, end? Arthur Cox wasn't allowed. It was... I don't know who it was. I don't know who it was. It wasn't Terry Mack. It wasn't Terry Mack. Well, whoever it was, he's turned to him and gone, right... Which ones of these are English? <laughs> well, boss. William Gallas, is he English? He looks good. William, no. that's an English name. No, he's French. Emmanuel Petit, <laughs> is he English? No, he's French as well. Oh, else bells. Can you go down to the dressing room and have a word with the English lads and get them to maybe put the, the Cross of St George on their faces mm. or something like that? So I can Gianfranco Zola, tell me he's English. He's bloody great. <laughs> no, he's Italian, boss. Bob, what the heck are we doing here? You would have thought he would have researched mm. it in advance rather than got there, only <laughs> totted it up then, and then started to feel demoralised. And then as he lists the six players that were English. Mm. Arsenal, David Seaman, Lee Dixon, Tony Adams and Rhea Parler. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, Dennis Wise and Jordy Morris. He says, uh, when the game kicked off, I was running through a list of questions in my head. <laughs> but not the, as well as, uh, what am I doing here? Uh, did I need to watch David Seaman to know it was England's first choice goalkeeper? No. Was I going to learn anything about Tony Adams? I didn't already know. No, probably not. Was there anybody else I should be watching closely? Not really. Well, what have you gone for then? Why are you there? I pick them all. <laughs> yeah. How many of these lads are English? Six of them. Okay, tell them they're all picks. Bag them up. I'll take them with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the lot. <laughs> it's like he resents play- watching <coughs> football. That's what he's basically saying. It's probably on the telly. You could have just watched it on the telly. Yeah, but there is, there is that element to all of this stuff. I mean... As England manager, you know, Southgate has it now. You have to be seen at the games. Yeah. I remember Capello and Ericsson. Mm. They couldn't even hide their contempt. They couldn't give a fuck, could they? They were just sat no. there like, fucking hell. <laughs> Let's get this over with so I can get home. Count and my money. Count my money and have sex with someone. <laughs> someone nearby. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, there were many others that were the same. Uh, there was a. I used to work out which games to attend and try to second guess how many English players might be involved. Play little guessing games with himself there, keep himself amused. Um, <laughs> there's lots of italicised words as well. I looked at the fixture list, it wasn't easy knowing where to go on weekends. I used to set off to some places and I'd be thinking, oh my god, I'm going to watch one player here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fucking watch him well, well don't, then. Don't go. <laughs> yeah, don't go. If I was England manager, I'd be tempted to just go, do you know what? I can't, I'm not going to... The, oh, um, uh, Mr Delaney, we, you haven't been seen at many Premier League games recently. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, there is a reason. They were on the telly and I couldn't be asked. And even the ones that weren't on telly, to be honest, I could find streams of. And actually, <laughs> I, find it, I find it really interesting to just watch match of the day and hear Alan 
and Gary and Ian Wright's yeah. analysis because they usually are as good yeah. as anyone at picking out who's done well and who's and, done badly. And I'll see the best bits on match I'll of the see day the best and bits. I want to see them at their best. So, so if they're on match of the day a lot, that means they've played well, so I'll pick them. I mean, why would I drive like a fucking 200 mile round trip to, see, to see fucking someone play at Goodison Park, right? When I could be sat on my arse at home with a big bowl of Doritos, right? And a can of Coke. <laughs> and those lovely cheese savoury biscuits that you can oh, only get in Poundland. I had a proper day like that first day of the season this yeah. year. Um, because I didn't have tickets to the match right. to West Ham Man City because I haven't yeah. sorted my season tickets. There's a big sort of dispute going on about that. Oh, Jesus. So I said, all right, for the first time in 25 years, I didn't have a season ticket. Right. So I thought I got a... So I thought I'll, I went there for a friendly the week before the season started and I went to the ticket office and I tried to buy, I said, three tickets for the Man City game, for the City game. Mm. Kid behind the window. Sorry, what? <laughs> three tickets to the City game. Um, uh, sorry, City, what City? And I said, Manchester City. City, London. Seriously, he went, I went, Manchester City. It's the, it, I said, West Ham, Manchester City. And he went, right, um, when is that? And I went, it's this time next week. It's the first day of the season. He goes, oh. I will just see he was trying to be polite I will just see if there are tickets available for that match sir I went three tickets one adult two kids he went okay and then I was distracted right I was distracted and I was watching the oh no that was it I said three tickets and he said how many adults have children and he asked me and I said one adult two children I got distracted with my kids I was chatting to them making sure they were all right. you know how it is and then next thing I know he goes okay Put your card in the machine, please. I have your tickets. And without thinking, I put my card in the machine. Yeah. Right? And I typed in the pin. Yeah. And he said, I'm just printing your tickets off. And I went, hang on a minute. I went, I just realised, you didn't tell me where these tickets were. And he went, oh, sorry about that. Uh, but to be honest, there aren't many tickets left for this game anyway. Oh, so it's own, just like, you know, me. I just got you three together wherever. And I thought, I said, oh, right, okay. Oh, uh, fair enough. But I would have, you know, I've no idea where I'm going to be sitting. And yeah, but I've never done this in 25 years. Mm. I had to just buy tickets for a game at West Ham. And I thought, is it always like this? And then he go, I go, oh, all right, whatever. How much is that? I'd already paid, and I was distracted. So it's my fault. Two hundred quid. Whoa. I went two hundred quid. How much they each? It's two hundred something. He's he's quoted me how much they are each. I went, but what about the two junior tickets? And then he, he panics and he calls over his supervisor and he's like basically a child. He looks about 12 and it was his first damn job. So although he was shit, I kind of felt bad for him. I wasn't going to have a go at him because I thought he just hasn't been trained properly, yeah. the poor, poor kid. So he calls over his supervisor who's basically like one of birds of a feather, right? <laughs> and she's like really like, yeah, what? And I go, well, it's just these tickets to turn over. Well, that's how much they cost. And I went, yeah, but the thing is, he didn't tell me what the price was or where they were. I said, plus, I think there's been a mistake because these are all the same price. And one's supposed to be for adult and two for children. And do you know what she said? And this is something you don't have insight to if you're seasoned to get older like you are. She went, you're, uh, she went, yeah, that's because uh, there's no, there's no concessions on category A games, right? 
So what they're saying is, he'd asked me how many kids, only to then say, doesn't make a difference how many yeah, kids so are. So we're looking at, what, a 70 quid a ticket? Yeah, but the sick thing is, and I'm sure lots of people listening to this will know, but this is new information to me, that they basically say, we won't give you any discounts on the games that are yeah, most popular. Of course. You're a fan of this club. Mm. You've been coming for years and now you're trying to bring your kids to mm. basically secure us. You're doing our marketing for, for us. Future and you're marketing yeah, the yeah. club. We don't yeah. have to do it. You're marketing for free. But... By imposing this, let's be honest, pretty shit team mm. on your children, yeah. on your unsuspecting Inflicting children. psychological damage exactly, on your right? children. Exactly, right? So I've tricked my children into supporting West Ham. Very good. Do a, a bang average club. And I'm bringing them along and they're going, yeah, that's right. Bring them to the game. But guess what? This is one of the big games against one of the big clubs. So you've got to pay adult prices even for the kids. But why? Because we can charge what we want for this. We'll charge you less on the other games. I said, do you know what? I'll have... Do you know what she said? Before I could even say anything, she says, you should... You can have a refund if you want. (laughs) I thought, fuck me. Is this like the smiling professional face of West Ham... 2.0. 2.0. I don't think it is. You've moved from Upton Park where everything was like that. I mean, yeah. you know, you might as well have walked into a fucking illegal minicab office <laughs> as just walk into the West Ham ticket office in the old days, Upton Park. They moved to this swanky new stadium. Karen Brady's running it like she's the fucking Queen of Sheba yeah. and it's all like an apprentice project. And it's still just the same old amateur hour outfit. But, it's just uh, that they're charging you more. Since you moved to that new stadium, I've heard nothing but blue chip organisational anecdotes about the whole club that's why they like to say yeah right it's uh, yeah it's poor it was poor and I was really upset the stewarding but the, the well no that I mean arriving it, and leaving of fans bottle, bottlenecks in Westfield it's, imp- it's improved a bit has it it's improved a bit but in some ways I think it's improved because fans have had to it's not that the club have made changes it's just that fans have had to change their logistical change their, their logistics in order for it to work. So for instance, you go you don't go to the station that involves the bottleneck through mm. Westwood, you find another way to get to the ground and stuff mm. like that. So we've all refined our our systems. But yeah, it's it's poor. But uh getting back to why that's why I wasn't at the game, but I had that nice experience of it being on the box yeah, and laying out surveys. it was just me and the boy at home on our own. And I laid out a, a full beige spread for yeah. us. It was fucking great. Get in. And I made loads of pots of tea. So yeah. I'd make a pot of tea, we'd cane it, and then I'd get straight back up and make another one. Mad. It was brilliant. And there's nothing quite like that. That is what I call a match rig. Yeah. And if you were Kevin Keegan back in those days where he was sick of going to games, no reason. Stay But uh, not that money. Stay on. Imagine the r- sort of rig that an England manager could a put Keegan together. Keegan rig. The Keegan would rig. Be incredible. He'd have Gene. Gene would be waiting hand and foot yeah. on him. Yeah. Gene, bring me my Doritos. Gene, did you get those mini baby bells I asked? The and ones that come in a little string bag? And you see a hand and foot, she'd be dishing out foot massages as well for him, I would imagine. Gene, my feet are aching. Because <laughs> I had to go to upstairs to the toilet for a wee. Who was it that used to massage? It was Kevin who used to massage his mother's feet, didn't he? Yeah. That's right. now. Now we're going back a bit. Yeah, it's all linked, isn't it? Jalapeño. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Jalapeño. I, I had a, a friend who once went to interview Ron Atkinson. And Did he massage his feet? In the course of the interview, a couple of things... At one point, he had he, he really delighted in showing my friend that he had electric remote control gates at the front of his driveway. <laughs> and when his chauffeur came back from taking the car out to be valeted, yeah. he delighted in watching the chauffeur get out of the car, go over to the button by the gate, yeah. press it manually, wait for the gates to open. And when he got back into the car, Big Ron would be standing inside but reaching out the window with his remote and closing the gates. And watch just, this, son. Yeah, watch, watch and learn, right? And he did that repeatedly because he just thought it was hysterical. And in the end, it just seemed cruel, he said. But then when they were sat in the living room, Ron's wife was coming in and out, pottering about while they were chatting. Yeah. This is at Ron's home, in, in Ron's rig. Yeah. And my mate went, um, Ron, I always ask people this because I just think it gives interesting insight. What sort of things do you generally like to eat? Right, which is a question that I have inherited from this bloke. This bloke was older than me, and I, 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 I tend to often ask people what they like to eat. Yeah, because it often leads to something interesting about like detail about life. And Ron went, "Well, when I am relaxing, watching a game, or just relaxing at home," he went, "I am a real fan. My particular snack that, uh, of choice." is I like to get a big bowl of mashed potato. <laughs> right? He goes, but then, you'll like this, right? He goes, but then what I like to do is, do you know Ritz crackers, right? And you, <laughs> and you know, and he goes, yeah, I, I know Ritz crackers. He goes, you know you can get a big box of them. And he goes, yeah, he goes, what I like to do is get a box of Ritz crackers Fuck. and I like to dip them in the mashed potato, <laughs> right, while I'm watching the game. And my mate, Johnny's name, I'm sorry, oh, that's really interesting. So next little note, they carry on talking. But he notices when Ron said that, his Mrs. Ron is just pottering about elsewhere. She leaves the room and then she disappears. And about 20 minutes later, she comes back and just quietly places on the table while the interview's still going on, a massive bowl of mashed potato with a fan of Ritz crackers <laughs> arranged around the edge of the plate. So and he doesn't Ron, just pull them out of the box. And Ron doesn't even respond he doesn't break stride. He gets put on the table and he just keeps talking and gets stuck straight into the mash and the crackers. That's living all right. That is living all right. That's the sort of thing that Kev could have been doing with Je- with Gene. Have I told you about my choice of uh, snack? No. The Laughing Cow Triangle with oh. half 
um, yeah. dry roasted peanuts stuffed yeah. into it. Yeah, you have told me You've this. got. To, you can't put a full dry roasted nut in. Why? You've got to half them. Why? Nah, it, it breaks apart the the, the, oh, the, right. the triangle spreads out. So it's not for roast. taste reasons. It's for it's just kind for... of both. Aesthetically, it looks better as well right, because you okay. get more sort of so half the, nuts the, in. The, the contrasting flavours of the creamy cheese yeah. and the salty nut yeah. is what makes it it's a taste a, sensation. amazing. Okay, yeah. I'm going to try it. And all the listeners should as well. Mm. But it's got to be proper laughing cow and not um, laughing cow light. Ugh. Fuck that. And it can't Fuck be, that. It can't be dairyly either. It's got to be laughing cow. You know what? Any light version of anything, light, low calorie, yeah. blah, 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 don't fucking don't bother. bother. It's not worth it. It's like everything. Just it's not worth give living it, longer. Just give it up. But yeah. also, it's all bollocks anyway. Yeah. Because it, the taste will be less pleasant. It was never invented to be a healthy product in the first place. And they will almost always have, su- have supplemented it with something equally as unhealthy. Chemical. To make up for it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. They'll take out the fat. They'll up the salt. Have we asked the listeners before to submit their favourite... Um, signature snacks. Signature snacks, yeah, that they've created themselves. I'm not sure, but we quite like to. I and and you might as well send photos. Definitely send do photos it. as well. Yeah. Okay. Right, where were we? Um, yeah, Euro 2000, he talks about that. They beat Scotland in the playoffs to get through. Mm. There, they drew with... I went to the first Portugal. game of Euro 2000 where was it held? in Holland, Holland, in Eindhoven. Right. That was Holland-Belgium, wasn't it, that tournament, both of them? It was a press trip. Right. And... Um, You've I've, been around. I've been around. We went, I, I was quite young, actually, and I managed to get, somehow get on this press trip. I think Umbro took us. And I was with a load of other, like, journalists, magazine editors... But when we got there, it was awful because they revealed... We were staying in Amsterdam, but the game was in Eindhoven because Eindhoven's not that far on the coach. But they revealed really casually when we arrived at the hotel that we'd all be sharing twin rooms. You have told me this. No, you. I told you about the fucking one on St Patrick's Day with Chris Evans. That was with the photographer where he oh, opened. Oh, there's another one. All right, this is a different on. one. Go. And this bloke was the opposite. It's not as entertaining because whereas the bloke in Dublin was a madman and he just fucking opened every single bottle in the mini bar, so we might as well drink it. Yeah. In this time in Amsterdam, the guy was like, "Really, I'm going to bed early." We got back from Eindhoven and we'd lost the game. You remember, we were two nil up in yeah. the first half. And then it went 2 all at half-time, and then they ended up beating us 3-2. It was Luis Figo and all that lot, mm. Rui Costa. And uh, so we were a bit gutted, but we thought, well, we might as well go out on the Raz in Amsterdam. I mean, Amsterdam, fuck's sake, it's party town, isn't yeah. it? And this bloke was like, no, I, um, I don't, I'm not really interested in that, so I'm going to bed. And he was a bit put out that I was going out because I might wake him up. And I just remember coming oh, back that night and trying to do that thing that you do when you're fucking married, right? Yeah. Of, like, undoing my belt really quietly and removing my jeans very, very gently and then making... While being the, off your nut. The, yeah, I was off my fucking tit. And it's, like, you know, what, three in the morning and I'm taking the trousers off and he's doing this... <sighs> <laughs> it's a fucking mag- what was he was he a photographer or a journalist he was a magazine like it's some sort of magazine journalist I mean what was he being a magazine journalist for if he didn't want to live the razzy life like I was exactly milk it dry that was my attitude <laughs> so then uh, the final group game against Romania lost that as well uh, Phil Neville gave away that penalty in 89 minutes Shearer's last game in an England shirt that what, um, which one? What the the Romania, the final group game? Oh God, we were going through. Yeah, Phil Neville, I remember. Mm-hmm. 
A draw would have been enough to put us in the quarterfinals, and then at two-two on eighty-nine minutes, Phil Neville gave away that stupid penalty. Yeah, that was shit. But it, we weren't a great team. We weren't a great team. We were never going to go all the way that year. Uh, all that optimism, all those dreams, and it was over in eight days. The press was merciless, of course, says Kev. I tried not to take the abuse personally, but it wasn't easy shutting it all out. Uh, maybe I should have resigned after Euro 2000, but no, I waited until one game in the quarterfinals. <laughs> I think I've still got a lot to offer. Uh, no, actually, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forget that. Uh, the minute that game against Germany ended, the last match at the Old Wembley, I knew that was it for me. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> TTFN, dickheads. <laughs> I mean, we've been through this before, but Kevin Keegan could have been a perfectly good, as good as anyone else as England manager. I mean, you know, you get some coming like Capello who was paid more than any of them, and it's supposed to be he's a tactical master, right? Mm. And then you get others come in who are supposed to just drive them with charisma. And the truth is, is that you get to just pick the 11 best English players in the country, all of whom know how to fucking compete. And then you've just really, I think the big part of the job is motivating them. Well, Kevin Keegan, his fucking biggest strength is motivating players. Yeah. So there's no reason why he couldn't have done it. But in the end, when he quit, he tried to start... He started um, sort of beating himself up over his tactical ineptitude, didn't he? I'm just yeah, not up we, to it at this level. Yeah, but we knew that was that was going to be the case anyway because at Newcastle that, that had happened, they collapsed, and you know he didn't have the ability to get them over the line to win anything. Maybe, but 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 it was a bit of bad luck as well. I mean, I don't think the team was that bad. There's some good players in there. There was you know Shearer was still Tony Adams, Shearer, Owen had just come through. Um, because, well, it, actually, Owen was good because. He took over after Glenn Scholes Hoddle and Glenn Hoddle's team in the 98 World Cup was mm. fantastic. Yeah, Scholes, yeah, Scholes was in it, Beckham. Yeah, actually, it was a good team. Yeah, it was. He fucked it up, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, and he quit in the toilet, of course. Yeah, um, best place to do it. Of course. Uh, the press loved that. He says, Keegan quits in toilets. <laughs> Keegan quits in the toilets. <laughs> Just like where his career is. <laughs> you can smell the piss on him. <laughs> It might have been on me because I had to come straight to work after a big night out. <laughs> David Davies came in and we went to the room next to the changing area where the bath and the toilets were, which is where he, he, he told David Davies he couldn't do it anymore. Um, he says, I was honest. It's a step too far for me, I said, and that was it. Gene drove me home and Howard Wilkinson was put in charge for our next qualifier. That bastard. Uh, um... And he's oh, another page where he's fucking complaining about it and going over it again. Uh, it's a pity not everyone was helpful. I tried a couple of times to persuade the relevant people about Arthur Cox. It never got me anywhere. Uh, as for the shut media- up about <laughs> Arthur Cox, Kevin. Fucking hell, it's gone. Been different. It wouldn't that, been- that, that chapter's passed. <laughs> It wasn't fun when the influential writers wanted me to turn on a spit of public ridicule. Oh, that's a quite a evocative oh, image. Let's turn him on a spit, <laughs> like a suckling pig. We'll go on a spit. Oh, with a big apple in his mouth. Oh, yeah. no. We'll make him all juicy and dripping. Oh, like a pig. Hold on, I'm a pig. That's cannibalism. Mm. Fucking hell. Oh, I don't it. care. Turns me on. <laughs> <laughs> spit of public ridicule. Um... The best analogy I could make was it was like being a cricketer. This is in the press conferences. I would have to be on my guard. It would be like a cricketer standing at the wicket with a a bat in my hands and waiting to face a new over. There were six balls coming my way. The first was going to be gently tossed. 
How did training go today? And I could smash it out of the ground. The second was another easy one. Any injury updates, Kevin? And again, I could deal with it, no problem. But now I had been warmed up, the next question would be a little bit harder. In the next over, I knew a googly would be coming and a couple of bouncers whizzing past my head. Are you ever had sex with an animal? <laughs> I heard you was bent. You like blokes, do you? Like, like sticking it in men's bums, do you? That's what I heard. Don't deny it. We'll only make it worse. I'll only tap your phone. <laughs> you know that Jean, Jean in French is John. <laughs> Oh, God. You've got your hand in the till. <laughs> but you have. <laughs> Selling your free England tickets, are you? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what I could not tolerate was the story that appeared on the front page of the News of the World a few weeks after my resignation, carrying the headline, Keegan's £40,000 bet shame. This is about the, talking about the gambling problem that was in England. Oh, yeah, there was card schools, and, wasn't there? Yeah, and they'd had high-stakes betting nights where they did that... Um, the race nights where they get the yeah. tapes of obscure oh, races from yeah. America and Hong Kong that are sealed and nobody can know who's yeah, won the race. But they, so they, did a, bet on they did a trick, didn't they? Yeah, they opened the fucking thing. <laughs> they opened the package. Apparently the players had carefully opened the tape, found out the winners, and then expertly sealed it back together. They could win a football tournament, but they could expertly seal a package together. Yeah, fucking hell. I think that... I can't remember who the players were behind that. Didn't Ray Parler admit to that? I can't uh, Yeah. Yeah. This is it, yeah. Muggins here didn't have a clue until I found out Ray Parler was triumphantly <laughs> telling the story on the after-dinner circuit. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. He says, to avoid suspicion, they didn't pile in with big bets when it first came to the first couple of races. Muggins here. Oh, bless him. That's horrible, isn't it? Because he thought, you yeah. know, this is a really fun thing that he arranged and they undermined Fucked it. Fucked him over. When I went on, um, I've told you about the school trip I went on to Russia in 1989. They arranged a school trip to the Soviet Union. Blimey. Which I always think was like, obviously, at a comprehensive school in the 1980s, there was a lot of leftist activity amongst the teachers and their union. Yeah. And I always thought, because it was a subsidised trip from the London Education Authority, and I thought, there's something up here. They're mm. trying to send kids over to the Soviet Union to Spice. convert us. To convert us. And I'm not joking. It sounds like a joke, but there was lots of cloak and dagger stuff when we were there. Brilliant. Like there was someone who was clearly a, a government um, operative who accompanied us everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, one of the things that happened there was that our teacher, Miss Roderick, had arranged a trip to the Moscow Opera Right. To see the Barber of Seville, yeah. I think it was, right? Now, there's a bunch of fucking kids from a comprehensive school in London, right? They've never, obviously never been as far afield as Russia, but also had never been to the fucking opera. They've been so to you know, Cam Beaumont, though. I've been to Cam Beaumont yeah. in Brentwood. <laughs> had I been at that? Yeah, I had It's a been. big step up, like. This was a big step up from Camp Beaumont, <laughs> right? I managed to get this far in the rush trip without being punched by anyone right <laughs> so far and so she arranged this thing and really you look back and you think what a wonderful woman she was this young pretty drama teacher Ooh. called Miss Roderick but she was one of those ones who said when you see me at the weekend or out of school my name's Wendy <laughs> right but it, around the school you've got to call me Miss Roderick Ooh. right oh my god anyway, <laughs> she arranged for it side pod and we all went there <laughs> 
side pod about teachers you fancy. <laughs> yeah. Right. We all went there and we were. Abs- good if listeners could submit the teachers they fancy, just the names. Yeah, that's we, it. And we just, just read it out. Yeah. Sounds well fit. <laughs> we, she arranged it. We all went there and it was a. Gl- I remember it was a glorious place, right? It yeah. was like an amazing old building, you know, be- beautiful kind of architecture, awe inspiring. Uh, but my awe was not inspired. I only look back and say that. Yeah. We all walked in like, oh, this place is fucking boring and Fuck shit. Stinks. Fucking shit. Oh, fucking stinks. We all sat there and we acted like right cunts. And we kept making silly faces at each other. All the way through to try and make each other laugh, right? And we were all sort of pissing ourselves a little bit low-key. And she's looking around and I'm like, be quiet, be quiet. And then... Sorry, Wendy. The cunt, yeah, the cunt comes out and he starts actually singing. Figaro, 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 Figaro. He sings that song, right? Yeah. And obviously, as kids, as teenage yeah. boys, when someone said the opera, mm. our only way of interpreting that was to start mucking around and going, Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. Remember, this was before Ness and Dorma. Yeah. And uh, so we've fucking pissed ourselves so much and some sort of like... Russian official, Opera House official has come out and had a word with us and a word with the teachers and they said, you know, we're out unless we fucking rein it in. And anyway, when we left, right, she was crying. Oh. Wendy Roderick was crying. Oh. Because, just like Kevin Keegan... I want to go up and hold her. She had done her best to set up something yeah. out of the kindness of her heart yeah. that she thought would be entertaining and enriching and mm-hmm. open our eyes to something a little bit more cultural and sophisticated than we may have experienced before. And we made a mockery of it by acting fucking stupid. And I've always felt bad about that, but there is one good thing that came out of this story, is that another teacher said to us the next day, you really upset Miss Roderick, and we think you should all go to apologise to her. It would mean a lot. Go up to her room, knock on the door, right? So we go up there, and one of our girl mates came as well. Not that she had been a culprit of the mucking around, but she just said that she'd come with us, right? Mm. Uh, be a bit of a diplomat. And her name was Becky. And Becky knocked on the door. And about five of us were stood outside. And Becky and, and Wendy and Miss Roderick went, Hello? And she went, Oh, it's me, Becky, and some of the lads. Are you decent? And she went, Come in. So... Becky walked in first with my mate Ben and we were behind Mm. and she was topless. (gasps) But she had said, Becky had said, are you decent? And she had said, come in. She said the words come in. I missed, so I missed it because I was a step behind. But the reason I always knew it wasn't a bullshit, if Ben had told me himself, I'd have thought bullshit because it is a classic bullshit. So I saw Miss Roderick's tits. But, Becky said, yeah, I saw her Becky tits. wouldn't lie about that. She wouldn't lie. She went, she had her tits out and she was standing, and it was an accident, she was standing bolt upright facing the door, like, yeah, what? Yeah. So I'm thinking, power play? We'd know, upset a, her. A, a maelstrom of thoughts going through my head. We'd upset it? her. We'd been cunts. Yeah. And she, and we were 14, some of us 15, most of us 14, right? And she thought, fuck you. I'm going to fucking power play you by letting you see my tits. Unexpected tits. Unexpected tits. Probably the greatest episode of Unexpected Tits I've ever heard. Yeah. 
Definitely. And it was heart- you've held it back with so Well, it was heartbreaking that I missed it. So that's probably why I've tried to keep a lid yeah, on it over the years. It's probably tormented you, has it? It's tormented me. <laughs> it's tormented me now. I'd like to get Ben on the blower, who's still one of my best mates. I'd like to get him to just tell us down the line yeah. one day about his talk, memories and talk experience. Talk us through it, yeah. yeah. He also, he was he, he must have had the fucking golden touch upon him when it came to unexpected tits. Because on a previous school trip to the Rhineland in Germany, not a year earlier, we'd had the fucking good luck of being in a room right next door to two girls from the years, year above, mm. Georgie and mm-hmm. Shanaz. Oh. And they were older than us and they were really cool. They were yeah. like the girls you wanted to hang out with. They had access to parties and stuff. And we'd never got to speak to them until we shared a room next door to them. And they would lean out of their window. Yeah. And we would lean out of ours and there'd be some banter back yeah. and forth on the on, outside window, right? And do you know what Ben said one night? I mean, listen, you've got to remember we're adolescents because this is not a good way to speak to anyone. But they were, everyone was a bit drunk. They'd got older some booze. And he went, we were only 12. I think I was 12, he was 13. And these girls were probably 13, 14. I think they were 14. And he went, Show us your tits, right? <laughs> now, they would have been 15. I mean, show us your tits. And one of them did. Jesus. She hung them out the window. Ben just had the Midas touch. Every, every school trip, yeah. Ben got some unexpected that, tits. Ben had the Midas tit touch. He's got to be the fucking tit master. He is. Tit yeah. master jam. Tit king. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Kevin Keegan left yeah. the England job, and that's the end of this episode. Right. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back shortly with another one. Subscribe to Iron Violins, TTFN. Bye-bye.